0: Good morning, everyone. Happy May. How did it get to May already? How did that happen? Uh, but here we are. Uh, just to reiterate what John was saying about School of Life. Also, we'll have sign-up at the back this morning. So, if you, uh, it's always good to act on things immediately rather than procrastinate, which is one of the things I'm actually talking about today. Uh, so, go and sign up straight away at the end of the meeting for School of Life. That would be really helpful. Um, this is one of those days where I'm here and then going down to Ashley Road afterwards. So I'll speak and then i shall sure make a grand exit. Um, or s- hopefully a subtle exit as you carry on with worship. Uh, I, just before I, before I um, start to talk on today's subject, um, I just wanted to give a bit of a recap on, on the time I had in Athens the week before last Last Sunday. It wasn't, wasn't possible to talk about it because we had Steve from Cape Town with us. Um, but it would be helpful just to give you a bit of an update on the time in Athens. So... There should be a one-and-a-half-minute video which with some greetings from people who are involved <coughs> in the conference. Hi, Gateway Church. My name is Chris. I'm uh, living in the Hague. I'm leading a church there called Redeemer International Church, and together with Matt, I'm here at a leadership conference, and it's amazing. You can hear in the background all the noise of Montenegrins and Macedonians and Albanians and Croatians all singing and worshipping Jesus. So, what an experience, and God bless you. Hi, my name is Rada, and I'm originally from Montenegro, living in Wolverhampton. Uh, My family, my husband Nathan and I, our two kids, uh, are about to move to Germany, Munich in September to start a new church plant in Munich. There is a little group of five who are waiting for us eagerly and we are very excited to hear what and to see what God is going to do in Munich. The incredible thing is the sense of unity and oneness that all these people are sharing together. It's just been a beautiful atmosphere of unity and worship and uh, it's just been great. so About 11 o'clock at night, and this is the hotel lobby. So uh, who knows what's going, how long it's going to go on for? So but this is typical work, Balkans kind of deal. How many nations do you reckon we got in there? Just next door is about 10 nations, and we don't know what language they're in. It's changing all the time, you know. So it's, uh, you hear hallelujahs and amens and stuff like that. So. It was just uh, great fun and great fellowship. Really good. Bye. Okay, so there was um, about ten people, ten groups, nations singing in the hotel lobby late. Since well, not about two o'clock in the morning. Um <laughs> can't what the hotel staff thought. But anyway, uh, but there was there was thirty nations represented at the conference. Three hundred of us uh, church leaders from across Europe, and uh, it was real privilege to be there, and a number of things I've heard God speak to me about, some of which I'm going to uh, talk about as, w- as we go through this morning, but um, just kind of a headline thing in terms of, of connection to the nations that we can get we can get very insular, and uh, particularly at the moment with um, the, the wider political scene, when we think about the nations, we tend to think about refugee crisis, and that's very obvious in Athens. Uh, Stavros, who leads the church in Athens, who's with us working with the refugees in Athens, very much impacted by by refugees. But of course there's a much bigger picture than that. It's a bigger picture than the European referendum happening in a few weeks' time. It's a picture of God gathering people from every tribe and tongue and nation into his family and we're part of that. And so being somewhere like that and, and, and being connected with people from other nations uh, is inspiring in terms of getting a sense of the breadth of the of the kingdom of God. And that, that was just a European conference, though it was a very broad definition of, of Europe. Uh, there are people from Greenland there and there are people from Armenia there, so it's kind of a, a wide definition of Europe, but exciting to get something of a taste of, uh, of how heaven will be when we stand with God's people from all the nations proclaiming him. Uh, the next opportunity that re- we really have as a church to be with people from other nations is the Advance Conference in June, which is happening at, uh, it's hosted at the church, which Martin Dunsford leads in Hedge End in Southampton, and uh, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, I just want to r- remind you about this that it's a day for uh, churches to gather together. There will be about 150 people from other (laughs) nations there, Uh, so there'll be something of that international dynamic and flavour for it. It's 15 quid for the day, which includes lunch, a fiver for kids, Uh, but we don't want the money thing to be an issue to stopping people from going. We'd we'd love love to take over 100 from Gateway to that day. So next Sunday we're going to be taking up an offering... Uh, and then out of that, we will pay for whoever wants to go. So if you want to go, but you can only afford to pay a fiver, that's fine. If you want to go and you can afford to put 50 quid and bless somebody else, that's brilliant. Um, so we'll take up an offering next week, which will be for the advance day in Hedge End on June the 11th. And then we will start, we'll start organise the booking process from next Sunday as well. So come next week, uh, ready to give for that. And uh, we'll start signing you up as well. As, as I say, we'd love to get hundred or more of us to go from Gateway. It's going to be a really great day and it will have something of that international flavor with a a crowd of people from other nations with us. Uh, And for us that will be bookended because the week before we've got PJ and Ashley Smythe with us and the the day after the the conference we've got Donnie and Jill Griggs and some other guys from their church in North Carolina in the States. So uh, we'll have a bit of an international flavor that week in June which will be brilliant. Um, Also, next weekend, Grace and I are in Istanbul. We're going to spend the weekend with the church. We've got connections out there. Uh, Some of you remember we had Mark and Ruth Zeely with us from from Istanbul last summer, came and visited us here at Gateway. And we're going to see them and and do some stuff in the church, going to do some stuff with their leaders, and then I'm speaking on the Sunday at their church meeting. So we'd appreciate your prayers for that. Uh, It's a situation which does be great to pray for generally anyway. Uh, Andy, who leads the church, and his wife Jess, done a magnificent job started the church six years ago they've seen turkish people coming to faith getting baptized absolutely incredible but the kind of attrition of church planting is really taking its toll upon them and they're actually having to take a few months out to rest and recover jess has been very ill I've actually been in hospital for a couple of weeks so they're, they're having to take some time back from from ministry to recover because of kind of exhaustion and illness it'd be great to pray for them and uh, pray for that church to continue to flourish so uh, Grace and I would appreciate your prayers for next weekend, that we can be a blessing to them and help them. And uh, that also helps us, the church, to catch something of what God is doing in the nations. And in terms of kind of geopolitical issues, this, Turkey is about as significant a nation as there is at the moment. So it would be great to pray for them and for that really important work there in Istanbul. Right, today we are continuing our series in uh, based on... Proverbs 18, good living, and uh, today we're looking at the subject of good work. Now, what is work and what is work for? That might seem like a bit of a stupid question. Um, Some ways we might characterize work is that work is the stuff that you have to do in order to do the stuff that you want to do. So it might be that you have to do a job to earn money to be able to pay for the things you actually like doing, Or it might be you've got a list of chores you have to get through before you can start to have enough time to do the other stuff which you'd really like to do. You kind of work is the stuff you have to do in order to do the stuff that you want to do. We might think of work as being something which is a a primary cause of stress in our lives. Many people are very stressed about their work. Work can be stressful. There's pressures of work. Sometimes there's too much work. Sometimes there's not enough work. Sometimes there's a boss who's very difficult. Sometimes there's office politics. Work can seem to be a major cause of stress in people's lives. And, of course, for others, work functions really as an idol, that work becomes the thing which defines who you are and what life is about and how you get all sense of self-worth and esteem and status, it's the job that I do, That that gives me my identity and work becomes a kind of a god who you're hoping in a sense to be saved by. Now the biblical definition of work is very different from many of those three things. We first see work appearing in the Bible right at the beginning of the story. In Genesis 2, we get a description of how God took the first man and the first woman and he put them in Eden, put them in this beautiful garden, and he put them there, the Bible says, to work it. They were put in the garden to work, and the work was very good. Now, we might tend to think that um, paradise is the absence of work. Absence of work is often what we think, well, that's good. It's a holiday. When you go on a holiday, you go on a holiday to not work. You have a break from work. That's the whole point of having a holiday. And we can kind of think of, of paradise of heaven as being an absence of work. But that's very different from what the Bible tells us, what we see there in Genesis 2. Paradise isn't the absence of work, but actually work is something which we're not only doing do in order to survive, but it's something that we need to do in order to reflect God. That God created human beings to be like him, to know him, to reflect him. And part of that was that they worked. God made Adam and Eve, said, you're like me, I want you to reflect me, I'm putting you here to work. Work actually reflects God. God's a worker, God's creative. God worked in the creation of the universe. And so the fact that work so often is something which feels kind of wrong to us, that work is something we do simply to be able to do the stuff we really want to do, or work is something which causes huge stress, or work is something which becomes an idol. The fact that work is really so negative in so many people's experiences is, is a sign of how much we need saving. It's a sign of how much we need redeeming, that it's not, that's not how it's meant to be. Work is meant to be good. Work is meant to reflect and image God. Working is one of the ways in which we're meant to be like God. And so where work doesn't reflect that, it's evidence of our need as humans to be saved by God. Work can be extremely stressful. The British Association for Counseling and Psychotherapy calls stress the ticking time bomb under UK PLC. But work itself isn't actually... It's not work itself which is stressful. I was reading an article this week in a magazine where somebody was talking about work and said this. As long as we know what we're doing and what the outcome is, most of us can work long, stress-free hours. I could graft in the garden or build airfix models pretty much forever. And I think maybe working in the garden or building airfix models isn't isn't your thing. But all of us will know things which which might look like work. And according to some definitions, would be work, but which don't feel like it because you just get wrapped up in it. You enjoy it. There's a sense of satisfaction. It's it's like Adam and Eve in the garden. They were working. Did it feel like work? Yes, but not work as we think of work so often. So work isn't the problem. What the problem is, is the thorns and the thistles. That when mankind rebelled against God, work ceased to be what it was meant to be, which was Paradise. Work became something which was accompanied by all kinds of stresses and strains and difficulties and hardships. It became thorny and thistly. And so for us, what we need to do is not fight against work, but we need to embrace it as God's gift to us, despite the thorns and the thistles. And we need to find ways to negotiate the thorns and the thistles which spring up in our work. We also need to have a a kind of an end time view of what work is. We can look back to Genesis 2 and see what work was. We can also look ahead to the day when Jesus returns and makes all things new and there will be work again. But it will be work which is perfect. It will be work which is like this guy, grafting in the garden or building airfix models. It will be work which is entirely absorbing and satisfying and delightful. And when we are called in the thorns and thistles of our work, one of the things which can help us is to think ahead to how work will be. That what we're experiencing, what we're tasting now, isn't how it will be. Even the terminology we use, we talk about work, we talk about getting through our chores. Work in the new heavens and new earth will not be a chore. Work will be a delight. It will be a joy. And we also need to see the spiritual dynamic of our work, that Christians are called to work. In Ephesians, these are such important verses. Apostle Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now these are such crucial verses for us to understand how we get right with God and how we live life right. First thing, you don't work your way into God's favor. We believe faith. It's faith and grace that saves us. It's grace exercised through faith that brings us into the presence of God. Not our works. The normal understanding of religion is the way that you get right with God, the way that you appease God, is by working. You do stuff to get God's favor. And the Bible is crystal clear. Now, that's not how you get into God's favor. You get into God's favor by his grace. He gives it to you. And what you need to do is just believe, have faith in him. You don't work at it. You don't labor at it. You don't store up credit. You don't do good deeds. You don't get your moral bank account right. No, it's the grace of God that saves you. It's not works. But we are God's workmanship. God worked to create us, and he has made us for good works. So we come to God by faith because of his grace that work in us. And then we are then called to do Good works. We're called to work, but we don't work to get God's favor. We work because of God's favor which has been given to us. So important that we get this clear. If you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, what you might hear as you come into church is you might hear what's being said to you is you've got to do all this good stuff to get right with God. No. You just need to believe. You just need to believe that He loves you and accepts you and wants you. You just need to believe and His grace will be at work in you. That's all you need to do. But those of us who are Christians, we might need to hear something else. We might be so delighted in this amazing truth, it's grace that saves us, not our works, that that can make us think, well, I don't need to do anything. No, you're created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're saved by grace, but then we're then meant to do works, to display and reflect the glory of God. We were put in the garden to work. We're called to work. To work is to reflect God. It's to be like God. So this morning I want to try and apply this both to things which we might think of as kind of our our job the stuff that we have to do but i mainly want to apply it to our our work as christians the things we're called to do the good works we're called to do to know jesus and make him known and the book of proverbs does help us in this the uh, proverbs has lots to say about work especially the slacker or the sloth, or the sluggard. A couple of years ago, we did a series on the seven deadly sins and looked at the deadly sin of sloth. And uh, Proverbs talks about this a lot. Proverbs 18.9, this is our verse today. Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Now, I want us to think first about two work-destroying habits. The first one is procrastination. I'm going to sign up for something on School of Life, but I'll do it tomorrow. And I'll do it the day after that. And the day after that is when it starts. You need to do it today. So at the end of the meeting, go and sign up for School of Life. Don't procrastinate. Get on with it. Procrastination is leaving the stuff which is a little bit hard rather than dealing with it now. We say, I'll just put it off. I'll wait. It can, no, I don't really fancy that. And so often actually we're trained to procrastinate, we're trained to be unfocused, we're trained to be passive, and we fill our time with other things, we do the other stuff which looks easier rather than getting to the stuff which actually needs to be done. It, it's a, it's a work-destroying habit, and actually so much modern technology encourages us in this. We can look very busy, we can be busy multitasking, actually we're just procrastinating. Uh, there's been studies which has shown that, for example, students uh, taking their laptops and, and iPads into lectures and taking all their notes down uh, verbatim on, onto computers. Actually, they don't learn nearly as much as you do by taking notes with a piece of paper and a pen. Because if you just type away, you just, just go through, bypasses the brain. If you actually have to write it down, it takes more effort, and you tend to pick out the stuff that really matters, the salient points, and you actually learn much better. And uh, so much of what we do in modern life now is we think we're being productive and busy, but actually we're not. We're just kind of looking active, but we're not doing what really needs to be done. We're procrastinating. And the procrastinator would always put off the unpleasant task when actually it's the unpleasant task that we need to deal with. If there's something unpleasant to do, make it the first thing that you do, and then everything else just gets so much easier. Procrastination is a form of slackness. It's a Brother to him who destroys. I had to go to the dentist this week. A couple of weeks ago, I had to have emergency root canal treatment, which is always a pleasure. And uh, I had to go back this week for the next phase of the process, which isn't particularly pleasant either. And I was offered two appointments one at three in the afternoon and one at eight in the morning. I'll, t- I'll have the eight o'clock one. Why? Because you're going to the dentist, you want to get it over and done with as soon as you can. And The procrastinator says, I'm going to leave the nasty task. You leave the nasty task, the nasty task just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The toothache gets worse and worse and worse. Don't procrastinate. It's a form of destruction. It's a work-destroying habit. The second destroying habit is uh, selective sluggardiness. And I've often talked about this. It's worth talking about again. It's where we are sluggardly, slothful, slackers in one area of life where, despite appearing to be very busy and competent in, in many other areas of life. Um, this is the sin of the successful often, those who look to have life going well, but are slackers in one particular area. You're a slacker in maybe your relationships, or you're a slacker in your finances, you're a slacker in your prayer life, you're you're a slacker in looking after your health. There's one thing, maybe you do everything else really